Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. He plays Among Us. Bam. 1.5 million, 2 million. Literally overnight went from 100 to 200k views a video to 1.5 to 2 million views every single video. It is insane. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Watch Time. This week on the podcast, we are talking Among Us and the absolute blow up that has taken over YouTube. We're talking about the social dilemma, the Netflix documentary that's taken over Netflix, and we are talking about the H3H3 Keemstar drama. Would you use the word Elliot? Yeah. Um, oh, about God, yeah. stealing stealing of merch designs. Um, but first, we're going to be talking about Quibi. Quibi is reportedly for sale. But Elliot, it's just us on the podcast this week. I feel like it's been a few we'll weeks learn. since it's just been you and me. Yeah, I know. I've just been interviewing everyone and talking to everyone and getting everyone's backstories. I'd be really interested to know what you guys prefer, though, whether you like the chats where we're talking about current events, just me and Elliot, or if you like the ones where we have guests on the show, a combo of both. Let us know if you're watching on YouTube in the comments or the comments on Apple Podcasts, because I would be curious to know. But how's your how's your week been, Elliot? What have you been up to? My week's been good. I've just been like absolutely smashing through streaming. Like I, I guess like, you know, which we're talking about later, like Among Us came out and there's been like some really good Fortnite updates recently. So I've actually been like enjoying kind of playing games for like seven, eight hour stints. Like don't get me wrong, always love playing games, but streams is like different because you need to like, you need to be hard on committed for like six, seven hours at a time if you want to do a proper one. Yeah. So like it's a good sign when you can play for like seven or eight hours and you're not like clock watching, you know, you're not being like, oh, yes. Oh, how has this only been two hours? I feel like I've been here forever. Living the dream. Yeah, literally. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's been really good. I've just been mainly streaming. Well, for those of you watching on YouTube, guys, I have a wine on the podcast this week because it's been one of those weeks. It's Wednesday when we're recording. It's a little bit, it's a day late that the podcast is going live this week because uh, we've had a bit of a manic few days i, I was just gonna what say quickly I, I i think it's funny that like because of your time zone it's nighttime for you you're on the wines and it's morning for me and i'm on the coffee <laughs> we had uh fresh who's one of the talent that i represent he just recently this morning came out with a collaboration with will tecker who is an up-and-coming rapper so we did a merch collaboration between fresh and tecker to celebrate tecker's new album that he just released and it was so cool like I, I love working on campaigns that are a little bit different than what we normally do. And I think it's super exciting to see more and more that intersection between like gaming and music and fashion and pop culture. And I feel like anytime we get to work on a project like that, I get super excited about it because I just see how quickly this industry is developing and the direction that it's moving in and how it's only getting bigger and more mainstream. And um yeah, I, I love it. I feel super energized by it. But at the same time, it's been a few late nights. So a wine is in order tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's super cool. I, I think like every time it's one of those weird things where obviously gaming is huge, 
and it really probably shouldn't be a shock as much to people, but every time one of these like big collabs happen, I think it's just a really cool way of, um, you know, kind of like makes people feel a lot more like, I don't know, that gaming's legitimate. I, I don't know if that makes sense. Totally. But, like, but I feel like gaming's always been, well, not always, it's definitely changing very rapidly now. But, you know, when a lot of like people, you know, our age were at school, if you were like playing games or playing World of Warcraft or doing something like that, like you would keep that so hush hush. Like you'd be like, you'd be yeah. like, but, oh yeah, boys, how about... How about that footy on the weekend, hey? Like the cricket, pretty good. Like <laughs> definitely didn't sit inside yeah. playing Call of Duty for 17 hours. Like, um, wh whereas these days, you know, people will go to school and they're like, oh, bro, my KD ratio, unreal right now. Absolutely slaying it. And like, and that's become way more of a thing. So I think, you know, when you see mainstream musicians like Drake and Ninja and, and Lil Tecker and doing this thing with Fresh, like, I think that's really, really cool. It's super cool. And you know what's an interesting insight is whenever I do these collaborations or I work on more mainstream um, brand activations, I will oftentimes get a comment when the when the content goes live. And it happened three times this morning where someone from the record label, someone from the merchandise company and someone from uh, Tekka's team, who's a father, they all messaged and they were just like, whoa, my kids just saw this and like commented how cool it is that we're doing something with Fresh. And you can tell that like for the adult the adults for like the, the the people organizing these collaborations or like on the brand side, oftentimes they probably don't appreciate how big it is. And it's not until they get that like vote of confidence from their kids saying like, hey, dad, that was sick. Or like, hey, mom, that was like a great work thing that you did. I love that because I just feel like kids are the ones that have their finger on the pulse with everything pop culture. Yeah. So if you've got their seal of approval, you're, you're doing something right. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time it's a, it's a blind spot for, you know, a lot of people doing marketing because that kind of like gaming is just, it's just something that if you're not in it, it kind of is just very confusing. I think totally. from an outstanding, like, what do you mean you watch people play video games? Just go play the video games yourself. You know, like a lot of people, I just don't think connect on that. So I think, um, yeah, having, having kids is like a sounding board. A lot of the time is actually really, really valuable. Yeah. A hundred percent. Okay, let's talk Quibi, Elliot. So Jeffrey Katzenberg, oh, who's the CEO endless of Quibi. Of content. I feel like we just beat down on Quibi like once a month with a stick. It's like your monthly, your monthly how bad is Quibi doing kind of uh, kind of check-in. For those of you that maybe haven't listened to any of our previous episodes where we've talked about Quibi, Quibi is a quick bites entertainment platform similar to a YouTube or Netflix, but it's premium, it's subscription-based, and it launched in April and it really struggled from the start. They launched right at the height of the coronavirus pandemic, and this is a platform that was meant for consuming entertainment uh, in between sort of break periods in the day. So imagine when you're on the bus to work or you're on the train home or you're in between meetings or something like that, which obviously those moments were completely lost during the pandemic because everyone was at home. Katzenberg is the CEO. He did an interview with the New York Times in June where he attributed everything that had gone wrong with the launch of the app to the coronavirus and emphasized everything that had gone wrong he attributed to the coronavirus, which Elliot and I have our own opinions on, but they've basically really struggled to recover over the last six months. They reportedly raised $1.75 billion before they launched the app. And apparently they have churned through a billion of that um, as of now. That's a lot so of money. 
It's a lot of money. There are rumors unconfirmed that they are exploring strate strategic options for a sale. Give Elliot, me a billion dollars. Give me the billion dollars. I'll I'll find something cooler to do. All right, and probably shockingly, even with no understanding of how to do any of this stuff, I'll probably still lose less money than they will on Quibi. But I, I don't know. Like, it's hard to lose a billion dollars. That's a, a billion with a B. <laughs> it, it was, I don't know. It was just, it was always like super interesting to me. Like the whole concept just seemed quite out of touch. I don't actually know. How, I mean, it, it, look, don't me wrong. I think it was a cool, interesting take. And obviously if you want to like really get traction and every big idea, a lot of the time, like sounds dumb when it first gets suggested. Do you remember, mm -hmm. so, not to get off topic. Do you remember Apple, like the earbuds when they first came out? Like the wireless yes. earbuds. And everyone was like, imagine wearing wireless earbuds. You would look like the biggest loser in the world. And like a for, and for a few months, person. everyone was everyone was like laughing at people who wore them. I was laughing at Grace all the time. Um, but, uh, but now, I, I'm not even kidding. Yesterday, I couldn't find my wireless earbuds. I had to put wired earbuds in. And I looked in the mirror and I was like, oh my God, I look like the biggest idiot right now. And that is in the space of like a year. That changed in the space of one to two years. So don't get me wrong. I, I like, I could be wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong on Quibi. I, I just think it was, it, you know, obviously from the start, we've always said, what is this? Like, what are you doing? Um, obviously, uh, very kind of like short on the go content, seven minute episode style stuff. Um, it just it just seemed like it was trying to fix a problem that wasn't there, you know? Like being like, oh, you need to be at like a lot of the videos, like, oh, we need to be able to watch them in vertical. I'm like, look, I, I gotta be honest, I don't really care about holding my phone like that versus that. Mm -hmm. It's it's not a difference, and this is a much better viewing experience. And as for like their whole idea of, well, you know, if you got like five to seven meeting minutes between meetings, uh, that's such a niche kind of situation where you're waiting five to seven minutes between meetings and also i'll just watch the next seven minutes of whatever episode of tv or movie i'm watching and then i'll resume it later i don't know long story short i can't really say i'm surprised i i would be super interested i think what what's interesting to me is now that it's gone out to market and it's kind of you know actually been a, a proven failure so to say um, so to speak, uh, is is what would it get valued at? If they do another round of funding or if they do sell it, what is that round of funding and that sale going to value the company at? Because- Exactly. Um, you don't want to go backwards on that. Well, I think they're definitely going to go backwards. There's, there's no way that anything that they've done could be considered like an increase in value, right? I think they had a small win last week where they won two Emmys for a show that they produced and created. But I think that's, yeah, I think- How, it, how many billions I'm of dollars trying do to you be get balanced. for each Emmy? Mm. <laughs> how, do you, is it a billion per Emmy or is that, oh no, okay, so they're still losing a shitload of money? All right, cool, interesting. <laughs> I think I think that's a really good way that you summed it up, Elliot. I think saying that it was trying to solve a problem that didn't exist is exactly right. For me, I think there's a number of problems that- I keep coming back to, and to be honest, this segment is a reminder for me that I still haven't cancelled my subscription that I got when they were doing the three-month free trial, and I'm I haven't either. Paying for I'm it. doing that right now. <laughs> but for me, I think there was a couple of key problems. I think one, they were trying to produce high-end content in a short-form format, and 
I don't know if that works. For me, it feels like they were trying to take like a YouTube content or TikTok content and make it really highly produced. And I feel like when you're trying to get through to an audience and you've only got under 10 minutes to permeate that, it requires a level of rawness. And I think that's why YouTube content does so well in that. Like Agree. 10, 5 to 10 to 15 minute thing is because immediately you're able to connect with the viewer. There is only the camera between like you and me if you're watching us on YouTube right now. Like there is no producer. We have an editor that helps, but it's just us. And you're able to hear me and Elliot have a conversation in raw form right now. I don't know if people want makeup artists and costume departments and producers and directors and honestly million dollar budgets i don't think people want it and then the other issue is that it is a subscription platform and it's a subscription it's a subscription platform with ads even if you're paying for it tiktok obviously and these platforms serve ads but they're free and i i just feel like it's not it's not able to compete with that and I think what else is super interesting is that, um, I, I, at least from what I saw of the show, like a lot of them were kind of, it didn't really feel like they'd created content that was supposed to exist in seven minute blocks. It felt like they literally made normal TV a lot of the time, like normal TV shows with like full narratives. And then they just cut them up into seven minute episodes. Um, whereas like for Which me- Which was, I think actually one of their strategies was like movies in short bites, but- Again, right. it's like what what actually but, is creative about but, that? But exactly yeah. then, like, but then, like that that doesn't solve the issue of it being a bite sized bit of content because then you want to keep watching and keep watching. You may as well be mm. watching a full movie and just pausing it every seven minutes when you go into your next meeting. I think for me, like, what makes YouTube the like undefeated king of bite sized seven to ten minute bits of content is if I've got seven minutes, I don't want to watch five percent of an overall movie and then have to like pause it and then go into my next meeting what i want to do is go and watch slow-mo guys blow something up in ridiculously short like you know in ridiculous slow Elliot frame rate stuff guys. i just like i'm saying that there's like there's better bite-sized content agree. every almost every seven to ten minute video that you watch on youtube whether you're watching something that's just like quickly explaining some really interesting concept whether it's a Kyrgyzstan video, whether it's slow-mo guys blowing something up, whether it's your boy Mizo copping a cheeky Vic Roy in Fortnite Battle Royale. The point is, all that content is supposed to exist as a seven yeah. to ten minute bit of content. Ultimately, all Quibi's done is create one to two hour bits of content and then cut it up. And I, I mean, look, I, I know I'm oversimplifying it. I know it's not that bad, but I think the... Uh, a pretty interesting quote was from Katzenberg, uh, the founder, where he was saying, did we get the avalanche of people that we wanted and we're going out for at launch? Uh, the answer is no. It's not up to what we wanted. It's not even close to what we wanted. Like, I feel like when you're the like, like, you know, early on, he was fully in denial. He was like, oh, no, it's going to be fine. Like, this is all coronavirus's fault. I feel like now him saying, yeah, it's 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 pretty bad. Like, this is a guy who's yeah. been in denial for months now. The fact that he's finally actually able to come to terms with that, I think, is uh, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I saw Mr. Beast commenting a little bit on Twitter when this news broke earlier this week, talking about how he and his manager, uh, Reed went to Quibi early on and were trying to pitch shows that he could do. And I mean, I think he's a perfect example of what you're talking about, where he's creating short form content that is designed to be short form yep. content which is still storytelling. Um, and I think that's really interesting. 
we also actually a couple months ago had a potential thing that we were doing with Quibi in a one way or another. I'm going to keep that really vague. It didn't end up um, working out. I liked the idea that they had, but they, you know what, to me, it just feels like, and I hate to say it, it kind of feels like boomers trying to break into a like Gen X, Y, Z generation. And I, I don't, think it was done well and even now you know people on twitter saying oh mr beast like come in and save it like buy it and do it yourself i don't even know if that's a good outcome like he doesn't need to do that he's got youtube i think he's yeah and i and i feel like again it's like it's it it would be trying to solve a problem that doesn't currently exist it will be interesting i think now that it's been a failure in many definitions to see if they are trying to sell it what they're actually going to sell it for who would buy it what they would do with it whether or not they would actually try to track you know turn around the app or just take some of the um tech that they've developed and and do something with it but i i don't see it being a super happy outcome for quibi i feel like if the tech industry has taught me anything though it's that it doesn't matter how much of a failure or how much it looks like something is absolutely going into the dirt and losing money there is always some big company willing to spend a billion dollars to acquire it i i don't understand it but no no no. but do you remember which one really amazed me and i don't know maybe i'm wrong here for not fully understanding it do you remember the beam the app that casey and i sat started even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Was, yeah. a, was a total failure. I think it literally got fully scrapped and wrapped up and turned into dust. And it got bought. Yeah. Was it by um it wasn't by CNN. It was it was by by it, some big Yeah, news. it was. It was CNN? Yeah. CNN bought it. And then they just they they mothballed it. I, I just don't understand it. Like you can start an app, it can completely fail, but if it says oh hip social media on it, companies will pay for it. I don't know. Mm. I think they were buying the team behind it because they thought that the team itself had value. But I agree. It's it's really interesting. Then offer anyway, them all individual contracts. Okay, maybe I just don't understand this stuff. I'm going time insane. Will tell. I'm going to start an app and I'm going to sell it for a billion dollars. And it's going to do <laughs> it's going to do nothing and it's going to fail. And that's why it's going to succeed when it goes on the market. Back to stock market lessons with me, Zog. All right. Next part of the podcast we're talking about james charles and ethan from h3h3 elliot did you see this on twitter basically uh james charles announced his new new line of merch this week it looked apparently quite similar to a line of merch that ethan and healer had done with their teddy fresh line a few months ago no no no. it's their core collection ethan was not happy he went to Twitter and basically said uh, that it was a little too close for comfort. James quickly responded saying that um, Ethan had DM'd him the day before and James had tried to keep it in the DMs and resolve it there. Ethan was not happy with or satisfied with that response um, and it divided people across the internet. Some people saying that they didn't invent the style of colour blocking merch that 
um, they were talking about and other people saying that, yeah, it was a little too close to be a coincidence. What did you think, Elliot? I can definitely see why they care. It's their like core collection. It's their brand, you know? Um, and I think once again, it wasn't like a once-off design they did. That's literally like, the, that's the that's the hoodie that they are known for. That's like their, right. their brand as a whole. And ultimately, like a lot of the time, if you have like your brand and then someone comes in and literally copies it, that the person who came in and copied it is seen is seen as like ripping it off. But when you've got a brand as big as James Charles coming in and ripping it off, you risk the narrative kind of shifting in the other direction. People knowing James Charles is primarily and then kind of seeing Teddy Fresh as the kind of ripoff brand of James Charles, the narrative getting confused and all that going wrong. Mm. I definitely see why they care. I also do like I, I thought about it for a while because once again that it's been thrown around a lot like they don't own color blocking absolutely true um but but i think the more the more i was looking at the design i like saw the initial photo and then i yeah. scrolled down and like i saw like the full image and i was just like oh god like every single part of this hoodie is identical identical like other than the fact that it puts sisters in the like in in varsity mm -hmm. font here and instead of the teddy fresh logo every other part of it was identical like each sleeve mm. even the down to the trim on the sleeve like down to the the individual coloring of like the of the cuff i, I think it was it was pretty but but almost like it was so blatant it made me wonder like how like, it was it actually an accident you know like i feel like if you're copying someone most of the time yeah you'd change it up a little bit you know <laughs> you'd be like you'd be at like, least, like switch up something you know you're conscious of it and you're like and you're like oh okay like we we don't wanna we don't you know we've done it but like let's let's do some little changes to throw them off they didn't do anything it is a like light blue sleeve here yellow cuff dark blue pink yellow cuff yellow hood it is identical and I think Pop it was... will put it up on the screen. Pop if we can get a side by side of both. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's like it's it's one to one, even down to the like shade of that light blue on the arm. It is identical, and I, I think um, yeah. I mean, ultimately, I, I think that they they were definitely justified in in kind of being like, hey, hey what the fuck? See, I kind of disagree. I agree it was pretty similar and perhaps james charles's merch team took some pretty inspiration similar. from it and maybe pretty they should similar. have raised that but i'm gonna push back on the fact that it has negative implications for ethan and teddy fresh i think this is actually probably great for them oh, i think sure. it allows them to do a few tweets it allows them to get a few thousand comments and retweets and i think like all of these tweets that ethan was doing had like minimum twenty thousand likes on them to sixty thousand likes i think it puts them back into the public conversation it puts their merch brand into the public conversation and i would say straight up i don't think that james charles and ethan have much of a crossover of audience i don't think that the people that are buying james's merch would have bought, bought Teddy Fresh's merch and vice versa. I think this is probably great for Ethan. I think it means that his audience gets to have an opinion about something. They get to feel like they're supporting someone they care about. They're probably going to go buy it to say like, Ethan, don't stress, we got your back. And I think it's all happy days, to be honest. 
Yeah. Oh no, a hundred percent. Like, I like it, this is this has definitely been a good thing for them, but it was only a good thing for them because they made it out to not be a good thing for them. If that makes totally. sense, you know, like the value comes from the controversy and the, and the drama and the outrage and and i i think that i don't know it's it's interesting it's uh like i i think the bigger debate is you know is james charles like i, I think the more interesting thing is do you think james charles dealt with it right because i i read through I, i'm i'm very 50 50 i was actually like at 90 percent like i think i think james charles when you know when ethan messaged like his response was pretty like okay but then there was like, oh, there was just one line. There was just one line in his DMs where I was like, oh, James, like you almost had it. You almost had that. You almost like you almost dealt with it classly, but then you just, you just, you, you couldn't, you couldn't, could you? And it was like, it was like, he was like, oh, you know, like absolutely, man. Like it looks like my design team might've, you know, I personally wasn't across this, but looks like my design team might've gotten some inspiration from your brand and, and copied it, which is a hundred percent not okay. Going to message them and look into it. I was like, okay, this is we're, we're, like, we're going on a good track here. We're going on a good track here. And then he was like, but you don't own color block either. And I went down and I was like, okay, dude, like you've just admitted it's a ripoff. They know they don't own color block, but like, you've also just admitted it was an exact stylistic ripoff. Like, you know, you know, you know, like when, when it's just like a little bit of like yeah. a backhanded apology or like a backhand, you know, anything backhand, that's what it had. And I abs, I guarantee you that is the line that made, that made Ethan go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweet this real quick, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> because a hundred percent, but like, and yeah. I think there was also another tweet that, uh, that, um, Healer made, which was, uh, in James Charles's DMs in like one message. He's like, Hey, I actually have never seen your brand before and don't know anything about it. And literally in the next message, he's like, but also, uh, our brands have no crossover. So it's like, he's like, I don't know who, the, I don't know who the fuck you are. I don't know what your brand is. But then he's also like, but also we have zero brand crossover. I, I understand <laughs> enough about our markets. No stress. Which, you know, anyway, once again, they I don't. think this is, this is good outcomes for everyone. I, if, yeah. yeah. It's I an every, it's an every, stress. everybody wins scenario. They, they Everyone's both, winning. Everyone they're, won. They're all happy. Their bank, their bank accounts copped a big dub. All right. Elliot, among us. This is a game that has taken over YouTube. If you watch gaming content on YouTube or Twitch the last couple of weeks, you couldn't have avoided this. Every massive YouTuber in the game has been playing it, but it's unbelievable that this is a two-year-old game, Elliot, that I believe at the moment I saw has just one developer working on it. And um, I think that's amazing. It's just, It's like a happy story for me. I love hearing that, but give yeah. me your breakdown as a creator that's been playing it. Why is it doing so well? It's just like, it's, I mean, for live streamers, especially, it's just, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised it's doing as well as it is on, for like YouTube videos, but yeah, I definitely think for live streaming, it's, it's pretty obvious why it does so well. It's just such, so much good banter, such good narrative. Like it's such a great way to get a bunch of big YouTubers and streamers all together, playing the same thing, chatting with each other, just, just doing dumb stuff. Um, mm -hmm. and, and honestly, the game is just fun as well. Like I always measure how much fun I'm having in a game at a time by, uh, like how quickly time flies when I'm live streaming. Mm. Sometimes like if I'm on a good day of Fortnite, you know, like I'll blast through four hours. Like it's nothing. Other times I feel like I've been playing for like a day and then I look down it's like, you've been live for 45 minutes and I'm like, oh, but among us, we did a stream the other day 
with like a bunch of the you know youtube live streamers and i remember i was like i was like okay like cool yeah we've been playing like done a couple of games and i looked down it's like you've been live for five hours and i was like whoa okay jesus yeah it's i think it's it's just one of those games where every match plays out differently there's so much variety there's so many like funny moments to be had through whether you're an imposter or whether you're trying to hunt an imposter down or whether you just walk along and you just see someone stab someone in front of you and you're like bro come on come on like, what is this and there have been particular creators that have been blowing up on it i always find this fascinating when a new game comes on the scene and the people that jump on it early and are creating great content can just, they can reap the rewards in a scale that they have never before. But it's, but it's not only that, it's, it's also that, um, yeah, it's even if you, even if people jumped on it early or whether they're just jumping on it now, I think, yeah, what I've found most interesting is just like looking at what is working versus what is like, like what it, it works super well for some channels and not well for others. I think courage is a good example. Um, courage and Valkyrie the other two mm -hmm. YouTube, uh, two of the big gaming YouTube streamers. And, um, you know, pre Among Us, if they were doing a stream, you know, if they're, you know, I know Courage sometimes streams like World of Warcraft and he'll have one to 2,000 viewers. If he's playing a game that he's more known for, he might have, I think, like six to seven, maybe 8,000 viewers. Um, apologies if I'm getting that wrong. Um, and then, but if he plays Among Us right now, he's pulling 40, 50K viewers easy amazing literally growing by 10 to 20 thousand subscribers a day playing among us meanwhile contrast that with uh me Lockie lannon you know so Lockie and i normally say like between 20 and thirty thousand viewers if we're playing fortnite lannon probably around like 80 um whereas if we play among us you know like for courage he literally his viewership almost goes up by 10 times 10 times the mm -hmm. viewership me and Lockie will go from you know say 20 to 30 on fortnite down to like 10 to 12 on Among Us. Like our viewership goes down. Um, and I know Lannan's goes down a bit as well. And our YouTube videos don't do as well as Fortnite videos. But then meanwhile, contrast to go back to the point you were saying, uh, Mr. Fruit, who's uh, a channel that I've, I've known for a while. He, um, and I've kind of like, I always like dip back in and watch his stuff. And it seems like whenever a new game comes out, he dips into it and he does really well, but then he just stops playing them after a while. I remember him and Fortnite had a similar thing. Um, but he's gone but from maybe he is it was like a light going switch. Bananas. It was a light switch. He was on, you know, maybe getting between 100 and 200 k views a video, I think, on average in the first like 24 hours. To suddenly he plays Among Us, bam, 1.5 million, 2 million, literally overnight went from 100 to 200 k views a video to 1.5 to 2 million views every single video. It is insane. It's actually the it's it's one of the most. I think what's interesting is a lot of the time when a new game comes out. And when you, when a, a smaller view channel jumps on it, what you see a lot of the time is very rapid growth. You know, they're getting 100, 200K. Then the next week, they're getting three, 400K per video, then seven, eight million. And, you know, it builds up. It's like it can be a very rapid growth ramp. But what amazed me about Mr. Fruit and the Among Us content is it was literally overnight. Like it was, it was like uh, 200K, 2 million, just light switch immediately on crazy absolutely crazy so what would be your advice to any smaller creators when a new game comes out would you say like it's definitely that was what they did well like a mr fruit a disguised toast whose channel's also completely blowing up right now off among us content do you think it's just like making sure that you're trying new things you're not getting stuck in your ways 
Yeah, I mean, I think the hard thing is when it's a game that obviously like new games uh, are the ones that always do really well, right? Um, mm -hmm. They're the ones that always kind of pop off and they're the best way to kind of like get growth on a channel is you need to find a game that's kind of like blowing up and ride that train up. But yeah. it's also super hard because everyone's playing the game, you know, like ever. So yeah. obviously, like it's a lot more saturated on YouTube. I think um, the the thing you just got to do is find ways to kind of make your content on that game, but make it differently to everyone else. So you kind of carve out your own niche or you have your own way to stand out among yeah. everyone else. Because otherwise, it's I love very to see it blended. though. Yeah, I love oh, to so see good. it. I mean, it's so good. It just keeps everyone on their toes and it makes you realize that no one can ever get too comfortable and even yeah. if you're having a tough time like you never know what's around the corner you really don't 100 percent. um okay on the topic of social media elliot have you watched the social dilemma no i haven't it kept pop i literally when you said you wanted to talk about it today i was like <laughs> oh that's that thing that literally is permanently now at the top of my netflix suggested and it won't go away i literally you know when you feel you know when youtube just keeps giving you the same suggested video for like six months yes and you're like fine fine youtube i'll watch it all right just <laughs> you win. get it away literally that but with with that freaking show I, I, it's... it was it was amazing i highly recommend it, it really? it's scary it's not a feel-good movie you'll come away from it being like documentary shit. or movie <laughs> documentary and it interviews a number of the top previous um, execs and people that worked at the big social media companies and examines just basically the impact that social media has on our lives, the addiction it forms in a lot of people and um, algorithm and how that is basically just growing at a rate that we can't keep up on. But I think we should have a conversation about that um, when you've watched it. But if you've watched it, I'm not addicted to comments. social media. I don't know what you mean. I can Dude, quit Elliot is addicted to the people at addicted. home. Elliot is addicted. I'm not addicted. He at all. gets very anxious if he is without his phone. I do, but also it's weird. Like I'm not. I, I'm. I'm addicted to like. I, I think it's more. I'm like ADHD. Like I need. Mm. I. I constantly need stuff to be fed into me. But I wouldn't say I'm addicted to social media because I would say. Uh, like I'm more addicted to Reddit and, and browsing memes. Dude, all the time. you gotta go but, watch this this is gonna yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah blow your mind but but what i was gonna say is like I, the reason i don't think i'm addicted to social media is because like for a youtuber instagram social influencer i post on instagram like only when i absolutely have to like someone has to twist my arm behind my back and be like you need to do this right now before i will ever you know kind <laughs> of actually uh actually you know make a post like yeah. I'm, I'm pretty, yeah. I'm pretty bad. All right. Well, guys, I think that about sums it up for today. Leave a comment, subscribe if you are watching on YouTube or subscribe if you're listening on Spotify or Apple. It really helps us out and make sure that people get to see the podcast that wouldn't have otherwise. But thank you so much for watching this week of Watch Time. We will see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.